0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth 65, also known as Spider Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen 65. I'm Abigail. And I'm Pax.
1: Yeah, so uh, this week, uh, we, you know, we'd normally do a little uh, week Gwend update uh, on all of the uh, latest uh, Ghost Spider news, uh, but it's, it's a bit of a slow week this week. The September solicits have come through. Uh, we're yet to see a new Ghost Spider ongoing or anything of the sort. There is, of course, still, uh, as we spoke about last week, Demon Days Coast Web number one by uh, Peach Momoko from her current quarterly miniseries. Uh, which is very, very cool and that will have a version of ghost Spider in and uh, there was also something called Dark Ages, which is a sort of a new uh, mini series type thing it's an old uh, universe. but Gwen does appear briefly alongside the other spider heroes, I think in a couple of the preview panels there. but again, nothing substantial. Um, really the the only upcoming comic at the moment is is still cursed web by uh, Peach and moko. So uh, look out for that and uh, let's get into today's arc which is longer Distance. We're currently reading through, uh, just to give everybody the context here, we're currently reading through the main Spider-Man comics. Uh, this is the 2015 to 2018 ongoing. Uh, last week we read uh, Weapon of Choice. Uh, and we watched as uh, Gwen fended off The Punisher and Craven of Earth-65. And the fallout from that was that Gwen's father, George Stacy, saw no other sort of resolution to the worsening hunt that the punisher was putting on other than to hand himself into the police for his involvement with spider woman and to try and get the, uh, the whole case called off. Uh, and, and that's obviously put Gwen in a very sort of dark position without her father in, in her uh, sort of actively in her life. Um, and also another thing to mention is uh, Gwen does not have, uh, spider powers anymore. Uh, she lost them back in the spider women event and she's been struggling a lot with that. Uh, she's reliant on spider, Power-ups, if that makes sense, like these uh, radioactive isotope things that like, reactivate her spider powers, but like on a temporary basis. Um, and she needs uh, those to be Spider Woman, and she does not have many. Like we're talking, like you can count them on one hand. So um, we're now looking at. This arc. So, Long Distance uh, is sort of collected in a strange way, like it includes a couple of annuals, and like the first one, which sort of feels like it's part of it, the Halloween issue is collected with Weapon of Choice. But um, just to confirm, we're reading issues of Spider Gwen number 13, number 14, and number 15. And these are three different holidays. We're looking at Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, uh, where Gwen sort of copes without her father present. Uh, and We'll put the links on where to buy and what to read in the description and links with uh, details in Gwen's bibliography and uh, reading list if you want to read more about Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider-Comics. But yeah, let's get into it. What we're going to do is have a uh, synopsis of the three issues so that you know everybody's on the same page, as it were, and um, then we'll, we'll discuss our thoughts about what we uh, felt about this arc after that. So issue number 13 this is the halloween issue and it's actually got a title uh, the mary janes meet mysterio so it begins the mary janes are spending the night out trick-or-treating mj is the scarlet spider Gloria is rocket racer betty is ghost rider and murder face the cat as a pirate Gwen, on the other hand is down and dressed as and i quote nobody due to her father being in prison
0: mj briefly speculates that gwen could be spider woman While Glory disagrees, but seeking to lighten the mood, Betty takes the gang to an old abandoned carnival, once run by an old man called Mysterio.
1: Once there, Betty attempts to start a still-working Mysterio fortune-teller machine, but it appears to malfunction. Murderface, the cat, runs off at this moment, and Betty goes to chase after him, while unbeknown to her, a trapdoor releases, capturing the rest of the group in a tunnel. Hallucinogenic gas is released, and they begin seeing visions of their greatest fears. At the same time, Betty and Birdface find themselves confronted by animatronic zombies, which they fight with relish.
0: MJ begs Gwen to use her spider powers to help them, but she's helpless without her power-ups and refuses to admit her secret identity. Gwen's hallucinations include the graves of her family and close friends with epitaphs placing the blame on her actions, and a zombified Peter Parker who accuses Gwen of being addicted to the power of while large venom-like jaws close in around her. Gwen manages to group up with Glory and MJ, where they run away from more animatronic zombies together, realizing that they've been hallucinating everything else the whole time.
1: Meanwhile, Betty breaks down the door to Mysterio's office in the carnival with an axe that she found, knocks the villains to the ground, and removes the big fish bull helmet to reveal J. Jonah Jameson who is then unmasked to reveal another person, either Gary Busey or Nick Nolte, according to the captions, who is then also unmasked to nothing but thin air. Mysterio is being operated remotely, like the zombies, and his identity remains secret.
0: Betty promptly takes control of the carnival controls and destroys the zombies by making them self-destruct, saving the gang. Betty goes to the day's band and posits that they should spend next Halloween in the city where the
1: rent is far scarier than anything they found out there. Okay, and that's the Halloween issue. The next one, issue number 14, is Thanksgiving. Gwen and Matt Murdock attempt to convince George Stacey to make use of Murdock's legal services, but he remains belligerent that he wants to take his own course of action and speak his mind freely on the court stand.
0: Outside, Murdoch insists that they will get through the George eventually. In the meantime, while Murdoch works on his plans, he demands that Gwen stop being Spider-Woman.
1: Parkers prepare an oversized Thanksgiving meal in Peter's continued absence. Flash Thompson invites Ben out to watch a college football game and, I quote, relive the glory days. But Ben finds that he's not up to it anymore.
0: Gwen bumps into Aunt May on the train and they open up to each other. May reveals that she knows Spider-Woman's secret identity and forgives George, believing that Spider-Woman can still grow to be a hero. However, the secret must continue to be kept from Ben as he is too broken-hearted to process any more grief over Peter.
1: Jessica and Jerry Drew, along with Roger Gawking, visit Gwen for Thanksgiving. Jess expresses worry over Gwen's life outside of her work in secret identity as she's not been able to reach out as much with her family taking priority. Gwen mulls this over and gives one of her so-called dopey speeches, vowing to be thankful and focus on her life more.
0: The koala commander attacks the Thanksgiving parade, cutting their meal short, and so Jess and Roger leave to go fight him.
1: And the issue ends there, and we have our last issue, issue number 15, and this is the Christmas one. We have Matt Murdock dressed in a devil mask. He breaks into the shield cell where Cindy Moon, the deposed leader of the criminal organization Silk, is being held. The two supervillains kiss and form an alliance, with Murdock requesting in particular that he needs her science in getting Spider-Woman back in action.
0: The Mary Janes play a Christmas gig, but a thief runs off with their tips, which were to pay for the rent and groceries. Gwen, deciding to conserve a power-up for this occasion, weakly pursues the thief down an alleyway where Otomo from the hand suddenly appears, quickly dispatching the thief and asking that Gwen attend a clandestine meet-up as Spider-Woman with Murdoch later that day.
1: Handing the criminal in, Gwen talks with Officer Boyle, who she convinces that her father is doing the right thing by going public with the department's errors in the Spider-Woman case. She even convinces him that he should pay her father a friendly visit in prison.
0: Later at the meetup, the hands ninjas attack Gwen, eventually overwhelming her, injuring her, and slicing her power-up device slash web shooters. Gwen is angry, but Murdoch reveals that he knew all along about the power-up situation and shortage that Gwen was stuck in. He procures a new batch of power-ups for her to use, further revealing that he has an unlimited supply for her use, leaving a stunned Gwen to consider the possibilities.
1: Officer Boyle drops by George Stacy's cell and gives him the novelization of Dad Cop as a gift, saying that he's been a, and I quote, father to his all. And
0: that has been long distance, i.e. our holiday special for this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, nothing like a holiday special right at the end of June, you know?
0: Well, everyone's always um, fantasizing about Christmas in July anyway. That'd be interesting. Yeah. But I want to um say a crazy short story that on the 28th of May it was actually snowing.
1: What? Yo, that's wild. That's was that
0: uh yeah, that was last month yeah, back in Canada.
1: When how hot is it now?
0: It's 32 degrees right now. Feels like 40.
1: That's some madness. No, I'm sorry. That is what that is It was it was snowing last month and it's now 32 32- degrees celsius now
0: or feeling like 40 if you want to factor into humidex
1: uh I that is wow that is that's that's crazy that is crazy wow wow
0: but I'm coming to everyone from the comfort of my basement which is the coolest place in my house like literally and figuratively nice <laughs> nice so I don't have to put up with all of this heat
1: yeah good for you good for you you've got it got it figured out there
0: so something that we always like to do is the Stacy swear jar where we tally the amount of times that Gwen swears in her run or anytime she appears in all in general so in long distance she only swears twice and it's only in issue 15 and it's uh, about the time where the meetup is where before meeting Otomo and Murdoch she was like, "Come on, pull it together! You're a New Yorker for fuck's sake!" I'm all right. And then when she was being attacked by the hand, well, being ambushed anyway, yeah. she shouted, "What in the fuck was that?"
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was not impressed in that scene. Like, in fact, like, like you you were saying, like, with the with the temperature and things. Like, when Gwen was like wrapped up in like extra winter clothes and stuff on top of her Spider Woman outfit, there.
0: Yeah. It, like you'd think that, um, like she'd be used to it living in New York for nineteen years.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, is the climate similar in New York to where you are?
0: New York is just right down the border because, um, my province, Ontario, and then New York. It's just um, it's just a three-hour drive away to Buffalo. Oh, cool. so yeah, it should be a similar, like, unless if you factor in, you know, the humidity that Niagara Falls gives off.
1: Oh, oh okay, and uh yeah, that must be a lot of yeah, interesting,
0: yeah, but I would imagine that New York climate is similar uh to Ontario climate, well, Southern Ontario climate anyway,
1: right, right, cool, cool, yeah,
0: so the total of the stacy swear jar as of long distance is twenty four dollars,
1: wow, okay, all right, yeah, I mean, um, that's nearly a I think it's nearly a swearing issue, maybe. Nearly. Oh, it's more than that. It's like, what am I saying? Like one and a half every issue? Something. I'm not good at maths. I'm really not good at maths.
0: Like on average, probably two swears an arc.
1: Okay. Okay. Unless
0: if she's being really crabby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely depends on Gwen's mood. And I think like struggling with the... Uh, temperatures there really uh put her out quite a bit in that particular scene. Um, you get a real sense, I think, with like and the the way ho the way they do that whole scene with the um with the snow and the stuff, and uh, it it looks cold, and they they do like, like dragon's breath and stuff for the characters. Yeah, it it um, I don't envy that. I don't envy that. But yeah,
0: I think being in the cold is gonna make anyone a potty mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so um. Yeah. Uh, actually, Gwen overall in in this arc we'd say is is uh is quite it's quite downbeat. It's it's pretty pretty up and down.
0: Yeah, because um she's trying to get her mind on the holidays, but she can't keep her mind off of her dad being detained.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um it's compounded by the fact that um now she's she's got this limited supply of power ups, and now. The, the thing they don't really uh, they didn't really sort of reveal uh, in the last arc, but they do more explicitly point out here is um is that basically Gwen made this decision to team up with Kingpin and made this deal. Did't tell Kingpin that she didn't have her full powers, basically. so she's she's just got these power ups. So um in in theory, Gwen is uh, should I should say, like she's stressing out over that as well, and she's got this obligation to this criminal overlord her father is in prison um, and just generally speaking, not having the powers is, is clearly affecting her. Um, you know, they, they, they point out, I think at a few different moments that, you know, Gwen does very much enjoy having the power and um, there's, there's uh, and, and they've been sort of sprinkling them in lots of moments where Gwen is increasingly frustrated that uh, she doesn't have powers. And, um, and yeah. yeah,
0: did you notice the moments where she tries to contemplate about using her power-ups or what deciding whether or not, if it's a waste,
1: yeah, yeah, and she's got to take that into account. Like when she uses her power ups, she she, yeah, she wants to be able to to get like um I don't know like a patrol out of them. I'd say like um like what she did with um that 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 time she used uh, a power up back at the dollar dog versus the punisher. She like goes out after that and she does um does a full patrol. Whereas like if if it's just for like one thing, you know, even if it's her rent money, it's still not it's still not worth it. Like it's got to be for being Spider Woman. It was not good enough to. It wasn't good enough, even in in that sort of a situation.
0: But what I did find a a little bit nice was uh every time Gwen contemplates using her power ups, there's this little graphic of Spider Woman power ups. It's kind of like how many lives do you have left in your video game?
1: Yeah, yeah, it does feel very um. Yeah, it does feel super gamified almost the way they've the way they've done it, and they've got um. Uh, yeah, they're, they're very it's very evocative of that, and and like even the term power up itself. Is from is from video games, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Super Mario.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um yeah that that was the sort of the vibe of the little retro graphics they used there, and I, I like it when they bring that in because they do it. They do a few things like that. I think look like in this arc and the next one and the one after that that uh, that are pretty nifty. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. There's um there's, there's, there's a bit more like like wider implications around Gwen being powerless, and the way that makes her feel and there's a darker edge to it I think particularly when she confronts uh, the sort of uh, zombie hallucination of Peter Parker and he's you know he quite explicitly points out that like Gwen is addicted to the power and there's like this dark they do it as like this is dark reflection of Gwen that she sort of stares back at that is like enveloped by like a venom jaw is that right?
0: Yep there's no denying that that's venom cuz you know it's all black giant teeth i'm not sure if no that's not a tongue
1: no but, yeah. no and and they do the caption like um like venom with the black as opposed to white background
0: yeah cuz um the symbiote whenever you read venom's comics the symbiote's voice it's always in the black box
1: yeah yeah so um yeah, that's a uh, sort of an interesting direction for for things to go in, and I, uh, I look forward to talking about that more when it when it comes up. Um, but yeah, I think that's an interesting sort of uh, look at it because because the direction that like Gwen is going, and it's like she's not, you know, she isn't working with Jessica Drew. Um, you know, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily her fault, but she has gone out of her way to work with Matt Murdock and um, like the consequences of that and and his motivations in trying to give her power and stuff isn't in a like a healthy or a constructive way it's in a um it's it's, it feels very manipulative and it's it plays to gwen's darker instincts i i I suppose if that makes sense yeah yeah pivoting a bit to talk about um the sort of the halloween one um more generally with the with the costumes because i thought it was quite interesting they had um they had different outfits for each of the the Mary Janes who were out trick or treating,
0: yeah. Mary Jane was dressed up as Scarlet Spider, but even though most of you are gonna think Ben Riley Scarlet Spider, her costume actually looks more similar to the MC Two reality that's a uh, Mayday Parker slash Spider Girl's reality. Um The Scarlet Spider over there is Felicity Hardy, daughter of Flash Thompson and Felicia Hardy.
1: Yeah, and um. I, and i you know i have to wonder like if if mj's dressing up as scarlet spider and glory's dressing up as rocket racer and betty's dressing up as ghost rider like does does that imply the like the actual existence of those characters like like they're being famous in the world of earth 65
0: i feel like a ghost rider would probably be a definite because um i think there's always one in every universe
1: yeah i i thought that as well and uh, Scarlet Spider is an interesting one because, like, I feel like due to the
0: because, like, a, to our and a, to our knowledge, Gwen was the first Spider of Earth sixty five.
1: Yeah, and I feel like they would have come up with all the totem stuff, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a pop culture thing. Maybe these characters exist within the pop culture of Earth sixty five, and that's why they're dressed up like them. Um,
0: it's either that, or they just made up their own
1: costumes, or that, or they happen to come up with the same. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah that's and... um.
0: And Hmm. i like to point out that, do you notice that Betty's jacket as Ghost Rider resembles Robbie Reyes' Ghost Rider costume?
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's got that same sort of, like, square outline. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I I like that jacket. It's very cool. It's very cool. Um, Yeah, and um, they get uh, get a lot of characterizations in the Halloween issue. Particularly, um, one of the things which comes up here uh, for the first time is MJ's uh, suspecting that Gwen is Spider-Woman. And like Glory not thinking that, and there's sort of being a bit of um disagreement between the two over that. Uh, but but there's it it goes very quickly from MJ just sort of speculating this to like directly going up to Gwen and asking that you know, uh,
0: because yeah, it's like a you know, MJ's like, Gwen, help us, and then Gwen's like, What are you talking about?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's the worst time impossible as well because, like, Gwen really can't help them. Like, she doesn't have a power up device on her. It's like it's her web shooters, and um, there's no, yeah, she doesn't have those on there. So she actually can't power up or do anything. Um, and, you know, uh, she doesn't even get as far as having to deny that she is Spider Woman or anything like that. Like, she's pretty helpless, all things considered, in, in the Halloween issue. Um,
0: and I'd like to point out that MJ65 suspecting. When to be Spider Woman. This is kind of like in direct contrast to 616 MJ, where she knew that Peter was Spider Man all along.
1: Yeah, MJ's intuition is multiversal, apparently.
0: It's mostly because um, in 616, one day MJ saw Spider Man climb out of Peter's bedroom window since they're next door neighbors, and she just didn't happen to share that information until much later into their relationship.
1: I see, I see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And there's uh there's Glory here as well, who who is sort of not buying it, not buying these um claims that MJ's making. Like she um, calls them
0: crazy conspiracy shit.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the direct
1: quote. And Glory is yeah. No, She's no, not She's go- not having it. No. No. Um Although um, I find that um, generally, though, between the two of them, they are very concerned about about Gwen and, and wanting to make her um, feel a bit better. And it's nice how they sort of, in an indirect way, try and find something for Gwen to do, even if it does all go wrong. Um, I uh, yeah, I thought that was that was a nice touch.
0: That's what best friends do. They're there for each other, and they're supposed yeah. to share each other's secrets. But at the same time, you know. Best friends are supportive of each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're a nice little gang. I think at, at this point, anyway. Uh, yeah. You know, um, they've, they've they've come far. I think from maybe where they were, like in the first arc, they feel um, a
0: little bit disjointed.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're not as uh, yeah. They're, they're more they more cohesive now, I think, and they they're more conscious of each other's situations than. Than they were starting out, which which I think would make sense because you know it's at this point that like MJ becomes aware of like Gwen being potentially being Spider Woman and and such, so um, you know it lines up.
0: And when I read the uh, character profile for the band, I kind of found it interesting where um, Gwen is referred to as a uh, Glory's best friend, which is somewhat retcon during King and Black Gwen and Versus Carnage, where it said that Gwen and MJ. Uh, have been best friends uh, since the sixth grade but i'm just thinking that maybe like that is still true but um maybe gwen was still closer to glory than she was to mj at that time
1: yeah I, i could see that i don't think it like directly contradicts it but yeah i can see how um i can see how somebody would get that impression i think my problem with like the character profiles is you know they're very very cool and they're very like text heavy and, and and have lots of really interesting lore in them um you know writers on like and even like the character profiles like Latour wrote earlier on uh, he does go back on a couple of them in, in certain parts and um yeah there's the, so canonicity I think is
0: yeah it's a bit of, uh, up in the air yeah to, pu- to put it that way
1: yeah, I'd I'd say they can, and un, until like a comic panel says otherwise, which which I, th- I think is possible, because like a lot of the stuff, like the backstories for these characters, is exactly the kind of thing that like newer writers will want to explore on page. And and while it works to sort of just fill out a character profile with you know their backstory, if if that now then sort of stands in the way of the story that a future writer wants to tell um that the sort of yeah I, I think the character profiles will end up taking a back seat they're very cool though and i do like the sort of insight that um you know like the mary jane's having their own profile and stuff you know that's it's it's pretty it's very cool it's very very nice touch it really fleshes out the issues i find having those
0: and uh, can we also talk about um how awesome betty Brandt is during halloween
1: yeah yeah uh betty bran is very much the band's wild card and she is not phased whatsoever by what's going on like she doesn't get caught by the trapdoor. Uh, she bumps into the animatronic zombies and, and immediately just starts fighting them like destroying them and stuff all um, texting
0: falcon at the same time
1: get texts falcon about how she's fighting zombies and then breaks down the door to Mysterio's office. Unmasks Mysterio.
0: Yeah, she takes a page from The Shining with the Axe and her face popping in with Here's Betty.
1: Yeah, yeah, she flips it. She flips it. She becomes the scary thing, um, for the for the villain in this. And and yeah, though that's a great panel. Like completely smashes down that door and, and yeah, Betty saves the day here.
0: And her fascination with darkness is also a very notable character trait because, you know, according to her character profile, she was brought into the band after she hijacked the morning announcements with Swedish death metal songs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um she's definitely and, and I think the way they've they've portrayed her in, in the earlier flashbacks, that she's definitely mellowed out a bit. But but hundred percent that sort of like you say, that dark streak, um that that Betty's got this sort of stuff is um
0: I think it's probably like an inside joke too. If you've ever seen those um uh, posts with how you are during um freshman year versus senior year, where you turn out more scarier. Oh, right. Okay. Like, one time I saw a, a freshman year, it was a picture of Will Smith and Margot Robbie on a... I forgot what movie they did during that panel, but in the senior year panel, it was them as Deadshot and Harley Quinn.
1: Oh, goodness. Yeah. Definitely... Um. I think yes. that's
0: accurate for freshmen versus seniors.
1: Yeah, Betsy's. Um. Yeah, she's had a bit of. Yeah, she's she's changed quite a bit, I think, and uh, from from at least those flashbacks and and the way the Carrots profile talks about her when she was younger. But yeah, um, but yeah,
0: she still has a dark streak. Like even her cat is named Murderface. I think that's a nice yes. segue.
1: I get the impression that the cat was named Murderface when she was more on that Swedish death metal sort of phase.
0: Even the Mary Jane's initial name was called Murderface because that's what yes. Betty already wrote on the posters.
1: Yeah. So I, I I would imagine that around the same time then that they got the cat, uh, the the Betty got the cat and and decided to name the cat that. Um, once once the band was renamed, at least.
0: And according to the profile, Murderface might be a demon from hell summoned by Betty.
1: Yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was a real, um, they really just threw that in there in the cat's profiles.
0: <laughs> like, I think that's a joke, but I wouldn't put that past Betty.
1: Yeah, Mur- Murderface is, um, is super smart. Even as far as cats go, like, he runs about and he does stuff, like, quite quite intelligently. I, I love the panel way he's, um, he's staring down Mysterio up close while, while Betty sort of stands in the background with with the with the axe and just the the whole um yeah, like the dynamic is a sort of duo is really fun.
0: I'm just wondering if he were to meet other Marvel cats like Chewy or Sleeper, what would happen?
1: Yeah, I, I get the feeling they may be a bit above his weight class, but but I'm sure Murderface can match them in personality for sure.
0: But I'm just thinking, um, if you were to own one of those three cats or like Symbiotes, Flurkin, Whatever fancies you would you want to keep murder face chewy or sleeper
1: I think I think murder is would be the most fun to have as a cat but with sleeper you also have the option of the the whole symbiote stuff so mm, may, maybe sleeper maybe
0: and um, what would be be your reason for excluding chewy uh from your equation
1: I feel like <laughs> I wouldn't want to get on the bad side of Chewie. I would feel like I'm trading on eggshells for sure. Um, yeah.
0: I have to um, confess that I do have a mild cat allergy. So I really can't keep murder face around. Uh. I'm not sure how Flurkins, if they give off allergies. But with the whole, you know, laying eggs and, you know, pocket dimension tentacles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with Sleeper. Because, um, well, A, it's a symbiote. B, you know, it can take on any form of any animal I want. And C, I can bond with it if I choose to.
1: True, true. And and you don't have symbiote allergies as well. so No. <laughs> so that's but, um, always a bonus.
0: Should we go on a little bit of a detour and discuss whether we're dog or cat people to the audience?
1: Sure. I mean, I think I'm more of a cat person. But, yeah, I think I'm more of a cat person. They're uh, the lower maintenance, so yeah, definitely I think cats.
0: And mostly because of my allergies. Um, speaking of allergies, you know my sister is almost definitely allergic to cats, so we can't have a cat in the house. Oh, so we yeah Yeah. we can only have dogs.
1: Cat cats are really getting set up in these um, in in these choices uh we're, we're putting down here.
0: Yeah. If we're going to go into uh, dogs, I'm just going to pick out three of the most famous dogs I can think of in the Marvel U. Lockjaw, Lucky the Pizza Dog, and Bats. Which one would you want to have?
1: I feel like Lockjaw, but to be fair, I haven't read as much with the other two in.
0: Lucky the Pizza Dog is um, Kate's dog, and the Bats is Doctor Strange's dog. Yes. I think you've seen him most recently in Black Cat's King and Black tie-in.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing some of those panels, and I I feel like on utility alone, Lockjaw's ability to sort of teleport around would win against most dogs. Um, I I, I do think that Lockjaw would definitely be harder to feed and house. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. So I'm thinking I I'd go with bats because he's a ghost already, so I don't have to do much.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. A like, good point. he doesn't need
0: to eat, he doesn't need to sleep or drink, he just has to exist. Nice,
1: I see. Yeah, so uh, I'm just trying to think what we can round out our thoughts about the Halloween issue are. Um, the art in this was, was cool. I loved the uh, the really big page with the theme park and the smoke and the like, giant Mysterio in the background.
0: Oh, yeah, that that kind of gives me far-from-home vibes with the uh, nightmare sequence
1: yeah yeah i think they're um i think they're trying to emulate like uh old uh horror movie type posters with the night of the living dread over the sort of top of it with the title and stuff so i think that's pretty cool um it's very um yeah it, it looks appropriate amount scary and wacky i think and i love that about most of the art in this. Like the Halloween issue does not take itself seriously in the way that um Thanksgiving issue does. Definitely not in the way that the Christmas issue does. Um it it's it's very much having fun with the concept, like robot zombies and uh, you know, like a headless Mysterio.
0: trying to double down on the uh scary and the humor.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and uh with with Betty just being this uh force of nature and stuff, like it's um it's it's crazy. And and even like they have this really strange moment where like the unmasking uh, Mysterio revealing J. Jonah Jameson and then J. Jonah Jameson is just a rubber mask and then it's I- I- I'm not really sure I get the joke too well I, I presume it's because they look similar um, but Gary Busey and slash or possibly Nick Nolte is the next rubber mask.
0: Yeah because of um the art you know you can't really tell which one it is and that's why. It's a joke of Betty. She can, she even can't tell who it is.
1: I see. I see. Yeah. And um, Betty pulls off the last mask there with the uh, with Gary Busey and Slash or Nick Nolte, and it's um it's just smoke trailing up the Mysterio body. So presumably it was just an animatronic, and um, and Mysterio is being controlled by I don't know, like an outside force. Like there's a laughter. So.
0: Probably the real Mysterio behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 they and they don't they don't really come back around to this. Like they sort of leave that there. Um, so it's um it's an interesting one. Mysterio of Earth sixty five is yeah he's he's not he's he's a uh, he's one that needs picking up maybe um, to sort of finish fleshing out a bit there.
0: One more thing I liked about the art. Did you notice how there were a lot of green and purples used for the coloring? Yeah. And that's kind of evocative of Mysterio's color scheme.
1: Yeah, they use Mysterio's color scheme throughout. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Um I love the the panels with the spiders and the jaws closing in around um around Gwen. The evil Gwen anyway, with the with the red eyes and stuff. That looks great. And um, yeah, the the motion of all of that.
0: And That's gonna be something we're gonna be diving into the next couple of arcs.
1: Yes, we'll get to talk about that a lot. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. So I think that's the that's the Halloween issue, and then there's the um, it's the Thanksgiving issue, and and from here we uh they sort of drop the stuff with the Mary Janes, and we get um sort of back to stuff with the mentors in Gwen's life, um show up at once. Um, we've got the opening scene where um George Stacy's very resigned to his being held accountable for the spider woman manhunt and I think he kind of wants to throw the case for himself like the idea is that um he, you know he pleads guilty or, or, or whatever and he ends up on the stand uh, talking about the department's misdeeds and uh, the the sort of the wrongfulness of the case uh, and and the, all of the sort of ways things have gone wrong and that's sort of his way of uh, falling on his sword to make sure that like the hunt is less harsh I would would say against Gwen like we're not seeing much of the Punisher right now maybe that's because he's a bit wounded after the last arc
0: it's because Uh, George thinks the most important thing is to make others see the truth about Spider-Woman about how, how much of a hero she is to which Murdoch responds is and this is the direct quote who gives a flying squirrel shit about the truth?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: Murdoch's just very pragmatic.
1: He is. And, you know, he's his agenda sort of comes through a bit here. But he's he's very keen to, like, he's got his whole shtick is about trying to see through people. Because, obviously, he's got this echolocation thing, which lets him hear people's heartbeats and how nervous they are. And um, he, he likes to sort of try and get a read on people. And he does it with George here. Where he's sort of like he tries to undermine what George is doing by saying that you know he's not necessarily doing it for the right reasons to protect Gwen. He's doing it more because um, he can't live with his constant being wrong, and that the only way to sort of get out of that is to listen to him instead uh, regarding you know using the legal services here and and letting um, you know maybe Gwen take the lead a bit more with the with the whole process there as well but yeah it's um
0: thanksgiving's a pretty laid-back issue during this arc
1: yeah no i, I don't There's uh yeah there's no fights no no fights to really say i mean there's obviously that bit with the koala commander but it's more of like a cut away like they cut away from that fight so yeah but
0: did you notice that giant captain america balloon at the macy's thanksgiving parade
1: oh yeah i love that that looks great and um it it fits well with the with the sort of universe they're building there and the sort of icon that like a sixty five cap is. Like she's very much um embedded within like she's on the money, apparently, is that, is that right? She's here on the float. Um she's, you know, actively working for shield and stuff. Um and so yeah, I think that makes sense.
0: And I'd um, also like to point out that one other balloon during Koala Commander's attack is Spider Ham.
1: Really? Oh, that's wild! Wonder if he made an impact somewhere. Then maybe he's uh, maybe one of the times he came over and fought alongside Gwen got him noticed.
0: Because yeah, so far, I'm to my knowledge, Ham has always been a hallucination of Gwen's.
1: Yeah, uh, he has always, I guess, but he has shown up in the annual. He's he's teaming up with Gwen on a couple of occasions, and I have oh yeah, to I remember it.
0: that. Yeah, that one scene in the annual but i'm yes. not sure if that was on um his earth or her earth because they were fighting the swinister six
1: yeah true true i i thought it possible that um that may that maybe at some point spider ham has crossed isn't it is its it sort of an explanation as to why he would have a float is that potentially spider ham has crossed over into Earth 65 at some point and and uh, and made that sort of an impact, but I don't know. We'll... This is just one of those things. I think it's 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 definitely more um something that the artist has decided to put in there, maybe, perhaps without considering the implications.
0: Yeah, it might have been either Chris Vision's decision, or I don't know if what Jason Latour put in the script of what to include, what to tell Chris Vision to draw.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, definitely, I get the. Mm, Yeah. Um, Chris Visions is, I think, works on the latter half of this issue. So the scenes with uh, Murdoch and the initial scenes with the Parkers are all drawn by Robbie Rodriguez, who is the standard artist uh, on this ongoing. um, But Chris Visions, who's sort of more like, I guess, like a backup type artist, he's worked on uh, Spider Gwen number five, he worked on Spider Gwen annual um, quite a bit, and he's got Another issue after this one I believe.
0: The back half of
1: thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of like a like a backup artist, I suppose, in a way for this run. And um yeah, he he comes in and he does and he does the cuter moments, I'd say, which works with his sort of very big, thick uh lines that he draws with. Um so yeah, um he does all of the scenes with the Druze, which are really nice. And yeah.
0: Should we trail back to the Parkers, since that's where we're going next after Captain Stacy?
1: Yeah, I think um the the Parkers are used really interestingly because obviously um you know with Uncle Ben still still being alive and and without Peter um th- those two characters uh, feel very different and the the way that grief and trauma has uh, impacted them differently. Like Aunt May is you know she's obviously sad and you know you know grieves for Peter um but uh ben is definitely he still holds on to that a lot more like he still cooks all of the thanksgiving for for three all the thanksgiving meals sorry for three and uh he he, he doesn't go out to uh, like this uh college football game that he was invited out to for thinking of um you know like you know how he would normally spend this time with pete and he uh you know, more explicitly, May says that, you know, it just wouldn't be a good idea to tell him about um, Gwen's secret identity because he wouldn't be able to take it very well. And, um, you know, it's it's in a very deep way, I think it's affected Ben. And it's really quite sad because he's often such a grounding figure where in the multiverse, whereas here in the Spider-Gwen comics, he's more of him. Um, he feels much darker and much, um, you know, it's it's um, you know, it's, it's a lot. He has a, he has a pretty rough.
0: Yeah, because I think yeah, losing a child or in this case his nephew, but yeah, let's just say child for yeah, like the sake of this uh, discussion, yeah, the, yeah mm-hmm. the loss of a child is gonna do that to you, like you know, especially you know, since uh, for the longest time you'll be in denial.
1: Yeah, I mean it's um, yeah, it's it's an emotionally difficult thing for them to process, and Aunt May's found a way to to deal with it, maybe. A little bit more constructively um and, and in working out um the secret identity of gwen uh she's able to have i think this sort of reconciliation moment with gwen on the train which is very very nice and you know they they, they sort of they find some resolution in that perhaps and uh Yeah, I thought that was a really nice scene. I think all of the scenes between Gwen and and May in this run are really lovely. And and this one in particular, they do hit very hard.
0: Yeah, because I think, like we mentioned a few episodes ago, um, Aunt May is the closest to a mother figure that Gwen has since um, Helen isn't around anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, And and I do think that Gwen... yeah, she she definitely yearns I think for the for resolution with the parkers and and the guilt that she must feel whenever she's around with them must be must be a lot. Um so yeah, it's um it's interesting how that develops here and I think it's quite compelling. Um the difference between uh between May and Ben particularly is is quite revealing as to their characters. But yeah, um
0: yeah, we're going to get more of them in later issues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, who else did we get here? We got a bit of Flash Thompson who appeared alongside Ben.
0: Yeah, just for one page.
1: Yeah, we we have our one page of Earth sixty five Flash Thompson. He does he does not look like Flash Thompson. Like
0: now, usually Flash is like um tall, blonde, a little bit more built. Yeah, I guess we're used, just used to seeing him as Agent Venom.
1: Yeah, true, true, but but not not. I mean, like the goatee here is. Hmm. I don't know. It feels like a decision, um, but I don't <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to convey.
0: Artistic license, probably. But he's still a football jock.
1: Yes. Yeah. He's still a football jock. And and what's interesting here is this uh, additional characterization made that, um, apparently uh, Uncle Ben was very athletic himself back in the day, um, and he's still sort of sort of known for it among the uh, you know the college football players even now in Midtown of Earth-65, which is, I think, I think it's quite interesting and, yeah. um...
0: But I'm just wondering whether or not, if in this reality, Flash was still a bully.
1: Yeah, I I mean, there were a lot of scenes where Pete was getting bullied. I don't, I don't know if Flash was, I don't think Flash was bullying.
0: Probably not, because this is listed as his first appearance in Earth-65. Yeah. But on the other hand, he does look like he could be right out of high school.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. He's, um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting scene. Is that a it's like a flashback happening in the background of their conversation there? If you got no, the uh, page. Th- up
0: no, in? I think that's just the neighbor kids.
1: Okay. Like the reminding Ben. I see. Okay. That makes more sense. Um yeah, uh so there's also quite a bit of Jessica Drew interactions here um that were quite interesting. Um, And I think it becomes immediately evident, and a lot of the way they use Jessica Drew here is more as a way to sort of convey that um, she's not really able to prioritize Gwen in the way that she has done on a few occasions earlier on in this run. Um, And this sort of takes her off the board, really. Um, But she is still concerned for Gwen, and, you know, they still drop by to sort of, uh, like, they're getting burgers.
0: Yeah, like, did you notice that the first thing Jess does is throw her burger at Gwen?
1: (laughs) Yeah to get her attention yeah yeah that was um that's one way of doing it
0: but like throwing a burger it's like that's messy
1: yeah um for sure um it's (laughs) a an interesting move but they do bring so many burgers that i suppose that is an option but yeah yeah,
0: because yeah the uh like the way it's drawn there are a lot of burger wrappers on the table yeah there's a lot
1: yeah they're having like i was thinking about that like how many burgers feasibly could an adult human eat before it was a bit much and they're definitely pushing it although to be fair they are super powered
0: Yeah, and Jess just had a baby so
1: yeah uh yeah i guess yeah so um yeah there is actually a really nice sort of functional um family the three of them like roger and jess and, and jerry the very um yeah like it's uh at this point in the story, um, in Spider Woman's story, Jess and uh Roger are not together. Like, but but Roger is still uh spending a lot. You know, he's still sort of like her um protege, or at least I say protege, but more like. Um...
0: Isn't he still Jerry's nanny, or like more yeah. like a manny?
1: <laughs> yeah, so he's uh he's babysitting uh. You know Jerry, where Jess needs, and he also goes out with Jess um, in the field as a superhero. Like we see it here, and it's also like if you read the run um, parallel to this, a Spider Woman. It is something which happens. So, yeah, um, yeah, they're um, it's a nice, it's a nice little little crew, and and they're very adorable when when they sort of talk with each other here, and uh Roger's kind of kind of just really chuffed to be in an alternate earth whereas jess is very jaded by the whole experience um which i thought was an interesting dynamic for sure
0: because she keeps lecturing roger that you know this isn't the earth that he's familiar with remember like uh, she keeps getting exasperated especially with uh when roger asks gwen if there's sports almanacs so he can make a bet
1: see i i don't even know how that would make sense because how would a sport um it's it's a it's a parallel dimension not not the future it i yeah i'm i'm getting i'm getting annoyed by the specifics there but um
0: like yeah i don't think placing bets from alternate dimensions would work in other alternate dimensions
1: my thoughts exactly yeah the the way it wraps up as well with um with it concluding with Gwen giving one of these um dopey speeches as it were, where she vows to to be thankful for and to like focus more on her real life. That was that was nice. And it what it what it does and it was kinda hard to communicate when in the synopsis, but, but the panels uh, switch perspectives between the Parkers and George Stacy and the Drews, um, as they all sort of have nice moments, so like
0: um, I kind of want to point out that in one panel, did Ben somehow break an arm during Thanksgiving because his arm is in a sling.
1: It makes no sense to me, but yes, you are correct that in the scenes with the parkers Ben Chris visions Ben has his arm in a sling, and i I went back and I checked the other pages, and that isn't the case, so I, i'm not I'm not sure what happened there um that it is a sling, right,
0: yeah. Because um, usually like it takes much longer to uh, go to the hospital and get your arm in a sling. You know they keep. I think they keep you there for I think uh, hours or like at worst overnight.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's it's uh, yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, we also get uh George Stacy looking at a family photo of him with Helen Stacy and baby Gwen as well, which is she's nice.
0: And then we got like a uh, Jess and Roger in between a uh, baby Jerry. And then at the bottom is a uh, Ben and May cuddling.
1: Yeah. Like uh, Ben's obviously struggling to process like his grief over Pete and he looks kind of isolated. Um, but then like he looks over at May, and then he goes over and they and, and they sit together uh, and watch him. What do they have? Do they have football? Um,
0: yeah. May's in the sports Jersey. So I'm assuming they're watching football.
1: Nice, nice.
0: But then you know things take a turn when Koala Commander attacks the parade, and then Jess gets all salty about it, blaming Gwen for her power loss because she was like, "You did this on purpose."
1: Yeah, um, it's it's funny how like the the sort of the 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 most uh, wacky and uh, camp villains show up when um, when Jess is here. Like, like last time it was Bodega Bandit, and uh, now it's Koala Commander trying to throw the Thanksgiving parade. Because if Australia can't have Thanksgiving, no one can. Um, which and I thought then, was an interesting motivation. Yeah.
0: And then Gwen's just frustrated that Jess is judging her for having a dopey rogues gallery when Roger is dressed as the porcupine.
1: Yeah, I, I've always found like that sort of back and forth between where, where Gwen's... Um, like reacts and has to defend like Earth 65's honor from Jessica Drew's um mocking. That's always a fun sort of dynamic there.
0: Because she always has to be like, no, this is not my rogues gallery.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I thought that was um was interesting. It's, it's it always cracks me up a little bit. But yeah, um so that's that was the oh what else happens in the there's also a really they have a group chat moment. There's a group chat scene.
0: Oh, yeah, um, with uh, her band uh, celebrating at Thanksgiving and saying what's on their mind. How, for example, Betty said that President Howard T. Duck pardoned the turkey.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's interesting. And they use that moment to sort of show that while Gwen can see all of that, she's not really, um, she's not really participating in the chat.
0: Like, um, no, she's not into it at all.
1: No, no, she looks quite down. I mean, she's reading it, but yeah, and definitely it feels that that Gwen is still quite isolated. Uh, particularly once you consider that you know Jess and, and Roger had to leave. Um, her father is still in prison, and like the only person like actively talking to her really outside of the Parkers, whose whose well, surrogate son she killed, um, is Matt Murdock. So it's it's kind of. It's a really rough spot for Gwen at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think at my house, I think we would call this situation doo doo.
1: Yeah, it's it's no good. It's doo doo. It's yeah. Um, we have
0: um, so we have Christmas coming up next.
1: Yeah, Christmas.
0: Yeah, like which is supposed to be like a fun holiday if you celebrate Christmas.
1: Yeah, this this has always felt like one of the. It's it's got a lot of dark implications here. I think um. Like it opens up on on this on the daredevil, uh, is it like a daredevil mask?
0: Um, I think uh, more accurately, it's called an oni mask.
1: I see, and um, and basically, I think the thing to remember here is that like, even though Matt Murdock is the kingpin, it's like the reason he's wearing a disguise here is it's more of um, he still hides the identity. He still has to appear legitimate for um his organization to run. So what he does is he wears a mask and he goes out as the Daredevil, I don't know, of Earth sixty five. I guess is the closest he comes to having an outfit of sorts outside of the red suits. Um and he beats up uh the two sort of chatty guards and yeah he meets Cindy Moon and Cindy Moon's back for one scene here where um
0: They seem to be in a casual relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're um supervillains, super geniuses, um and and yeah, they sort of they form a, yeah they, they got they 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 form a sort of agreement i think between silk and the hand i think it's
0: supposed to be a friends of benefits deal but you know not that kind of friends of benefits
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah it's um it's it's uh yeah it's um it's an interesting dynamic there and um
0: Cindy actually says frenemies with benefits
1: oh yeah so they do and like-
0: but, but I'm trying to imagine, like, are are they the same age or around uh same range?
1: I would imagine they are. Yeah, yeah. We don't have that as a problem in this arc anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, well, uh, so the Christmas issue is quite interesting because um, because of the whole uh situation there with with Cindy Moon essentially opening up. The secret of the power ups to Murdoch to give to Gwen, which he does quite freely, I'd say. Um,
0: because yeah, she's got nothing left to do anymore. Thinking might as well just give it to my frenemy.
1: Yeah, and I think the the way I've always seen it is that like Murdoch wants he doesn't he doesn't even necessarily want to ally with Gwen, but he wants to more corrupt Gwen's uh, good intentions. Um, and I think by, by sort of, especially by being the, the arbiter of it and like the supplier, uh, he's, he's sort of allowing. Yeah, he's trying her to, to
0: uh, sink her to his level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and clearly now, um, that sort of, that mandate of not being Spider-Woman is, was a brief thing and it's now over and now... Uh, we're now looking at potentially Gwen being able to be Spider Woman again, um, in terms of fighting villains and stuff as opposed to not just dodging ninjas like she does for a good few pages here. And she gets and she manages to to to, to fend off a good chunk of them, but but yeah, they do overwhelm her eventually here. It's
0: um... yeah, I think she get she endures a couple of slashes at her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which would normally kill someone. Like, Even if she is, even though she is a little bit depowered,
1: yeah, I love the um, and and you can sort of see how, like, even in the way they draw the motions and search of the character, but like, even like the caption there, where it's like, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, but it's all one <laughs> yeah. word, that's like, yeah, that's 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 hilarious, and yeah, um, you do get this uh, general sense. and it's not just in this fight scene, but I think overall in this arc where Gwen is very much overwhelmed and yeah, exactly. this lifeline is extended to her while she's, you know, she's cut up and her uh, power-ups have been kind of broken a bit. Um, and, you know, Matt Murdock presents her with the way out and then just sort of walks off and he starts singing the whole, um, you know, the Sansa carol song where he's like, he knows if you've been good or bad. Um, so be good for goodness' sake.
0: He's singing "Santa Claus is Coming to Town."
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and...
0: Yeah, I have to go through the whole song in my head to remember which one that was.
1: <laughs> oh right, okay. I truth be told, I don't know them very well. But, um, yeah. Oh, in uh,
0: fairness, I do have to go through the ABCs just to uh, locate the letter.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, yeah, I think I think, I mo yeah, right there with you, right there with you.
0: Yeah, it's like what letter comes after G? And then I'm thinking, gotta go through it again.
1: Yeah, I did it just in my head. Then um, <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, yeah. Uh, what else happens in this issue? There's um implied like money problems as well, like the whole rent situation. Uh, apparently coming down to this Christmas gig, is not great.
0: Well, uh, rent in New York is expensive, especially when you're in Manhattan.
1: That would make sense, and and even like the way that um, like Gwen doesn't really have into what she's working at the dollar dog right now so yeah uh, it must be a rough rough time of it
0: even um according to the wiki page gwen and betty's apartment is located in manhattan which is like one of the most expensive places to live
1: yeah you know i was i was thinking about that like how much you know how feasible would it be for two college age uh people to sort of rent an apartment like that in manhattan and it was it's rough
0: and their apartment doesn't even look that nice
1: it's it's a rough apartment it's it's a yeah it's from what we've seen of it it's very yeah um (laughs) one of those things i guess
0: yeah it's because whenever we see it it's always messy i'm not sure if that was because remember when betty had to trash the apartment to find her
1: phone true i do think there was a bit of a time difference between that happening and the last time we saw the apartment though
0: even when Jess was visiting in Spider-Woman it was still kind of messy
1: i mean especially um it was yeah that that's probably the most we've seen of that apartment and it is it was rough yeah
0: like i used to live in residence and um for my first year of college and right. um the total amount uh for the year i had to pay uh, 7300 for rent not not rent residence
1: okay that's and that's Canadian money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see.
0: And some part of the time, I wasn't even using it. Like, I would sometimes, because, uh, you know, I would go home on the weekends on my days off. Or when I had a short uh, school week, Yeah, I'd just go home. Nice.
1: I mean, yeah, it's it's a, it's rough out there for young people. And in and, and, and sort of, like, getting decent accommodations and stuff and and it, they they do mention it a few times here like uh like in the Halloween one as well like they mention scary yeah, the brooklyn, rent in brooklyn
0: rent. yeah
1: yeah they come they come around back to that quite a bit it's um i think it's an, it's a it's a neat way to sort of work in a more real struggle into sort of Gwen's raft of um problems i suppose
0: yeah cuz in general new york is an expensive place to live manhattan especially and according to betty Brooklyn. I'm not sure about Queens, Staten Island, or the Bronx. Yes. But since like Queens is like pretty quaint, maybe it's a little bit cheaper there.
1: I think. I think is it's, I don't know.
0: I don't because know. The, um, the Parkers live in the house in Queens.
1: Yeah, I think Queens is more residential, right? Overall, like it's 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 uh, it's yeah. a lot of yeah. It's. And we see Gwen move around a bit as well throughout these comics, so it's yeah uh it's it's- inter- it's interesting um for sure yeah what what else have we got here i think we might have covered it all um
0: or maybe just one more point for like a matt is that he has the capability of dueling Gwen himself but he decides to uh, start her initiation uh, with his lackeys instead
1: yeah yeah and I think the way it frames that, I think, is, is a bit better. Like, if he attacked her directly, it'd be harder to sort of be to, to then immediately switch to like giving her power ups and stuff. It would it'd look strange. So, they sort of frame it, I think, more as like the he, yeah, like you say, he sends his minions out first. Um, and an interesting part of it is like almost the perspective of like he has this conversation with Otomo where he's like almost with a view to training Gwen, um, which Otomo is not keen on doing, but Murdoch is. And I think. Having a bunch of ninjas jeweled Gwen is part of that.
0: Yeah, and um, since it is Christmas, it always has to feature you know, that special man in the red suit. But it's not Santa Claus this time.
1: Oh yeah, I never, I never put that together. That's um, yeah, that's uh, that's wild. That's uh...
0: yeah. Instead of the jolly man in red, you got the uh, conniving man in red.
1: Yeah, Matt Murdock is doing stuff and we're going to spend i think the next few arcs looking at what exactly his sort of grand design is and the direction that things are going um for sure
0: but we did get an end on a wholesome note where officer boyle gave captain stacy dad cop well, the book anyway
1: yeah i i like that moment and um in the way they sort of use officer boyle but 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 yeah he um it's it's a nice moment it's a nice moment and and i think like the relationship that like uh, george stacy has with most characters is as a as a sort of father mentor type figure um and yeah for sure i think it's a, it's um it's sweet so um is that is that our show
0: yeah i think we don't have anything left to say with the holiday special other than um Happy Halloween, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate.
1: Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. That sounds great.
0: And I'd like to point out that um, um, in Canada we have Thanksgiving first and then Christmas, not Christmas, Halloween. Oh, I see. Because yeah, because a Canadian Thanksgiving is second week of October, and then we got Halloween afterwards.
1: I see. Yeah. um... There's a there's actually no Thanksgiving equivalent in the UK. It's, uh, it's a it's completely um,
0: no British Thanksgiving or anything.
1: N- n- no, There's a uh, yeah. There's it's not a it's not a thing uh, here. Um, they've been trying to make Black Friday a thing the past few years, but not Thanksgiving.
0: I think Black Friday is a universal thing. It's just an excuse for everyone to go to the mall and get some random shit. Yeah. Or TVs, depending on whatever tickles their fancy.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I always enjoy a good deal if if I can find one. Um, But yeah, one of those things, I guess.
0: Either way, happy holidays, kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah, happy holidays. Um, So our concluding thoughts on these three issues, um, I'd say that I really enjoyed this arc and I like how it explores the uh, sort of lens of uh, trying to live ordinary sort of life and ordinary celebrations and and stuff, uh, in the context of, uh, tragedy or, um, grief or estrangement, um, from one's family. And I thought that was, I found that quite compelling and how that relates to Gwen's journey and Gwen's arc and how that affects her decision-making as well, uh, in in her characterizations and trying to pick between maybe sort of a, a darker side of things that sort of encroaches quite a bit here. Uh, I found, you know, that's a really fun direction to take the character in, and I, I'm really looking forward to future arcs which explore that for sure.
0: And yeah, I liked how this is just a uh, a step back for Gwen because you know she's reevaluating her situation right now, what to do with her power ups, and especially with um she's spending more time with her supporting cast during long distance because you know she. She barely gets to spend any times with the Mary Janes when it's not a gig. And she gets a whole Halloween uh, with them to herself. And at least she got to celebrate Thanksgiving with some sort of family, like her spider fam in the form of Jess. Yeah. And uh, even though Christmas was really dark for Gwen being attacked by ninjas and uh, uh, receiving a gift in the form of power ups. You know, it's setting up that dynamic for her and Matt Murdock down the line.
1: Definitely, yeah, and I think building that, that dynamic up there is very, very uh, crucial, I think, to future arcs.
0: Cause, yeah, because you can sense the enmity boiling between them, but, you know, at the same time, Murdoch's giving off this sort of shady mentor vibe to Gwen.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's interesting to see sort of how all those mentors conflict with each other here, um, for sure, in, like... Within the text of the story and Gwen's internal conflicts, if that makes sense,
0: yeah, because it's always a battle between: Do you want to do what's right, or do you want to get back what you lost?
1: Mm, sure.
0: Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it's yeah, know, it's it's a it's a choice. Yeah, no, I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It it is it is a like sort of that pivotal sort of decision making between like the wrong but easy choice and you know maybe the hard but uh, but, but right choice. You know. Um, cause
0: yeah, cause yeah, it's like we could do it Matt's way, or we could do it Captain Stacy's way.
1: Yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. I I like that that dynamic, that dichotomy between the different characters there.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's gonna be exciting to uh, read more about their dynamics down the line.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's gonna be good. Um. So yeah. Um. Do you want to talk a little bit about what we're doing next week? And
0: you're closing out this week. Yep, that's right. Yep,
1: it's me. Yep. So yeah, we are doing sitting in a tree, uh, which is the crossover between Brian Michael Bendis's uh, Spider-Man run that he started in 2016 um, and did for a few years. There, it's about Miles Morales who is crossing over with Gwen here and the Spider-Gwen comic. Um, so it's a fairly long event we're going to go through those issues and we're going to go through that event and look at how uh, earth 65 and earth 616 and earth 8 and a bunch of other earths um, we're going to see more of silk we're going to see earth 65 scorpion who is very different from what we know and we'll even get um, some some parrots that, that are cool like uh, you know like miss marvel and dr octopus it's going to be it's going to be fun it's going to be Maybe a bit more controversial than the previous arcs. There's definitely some iffy stuff um with sitting in a tree um that we're gonna have to talk about a bit, but um, yeah,
0: that's only if you think too hard about it. I mean, but it is the elephant in the room, yeah it's
1: yeah i'm I'm sure we'll discuss it when yeah when we get that but uh yeah one of those things i guess um so we'll put the links uh, in the description A- again like we said earlier for what to buy and where to read uh the reading list um that we use for these comics uh the comicsology links. link so you well i mean if you want to buy of comicsology, but also if you just want to know what uh, volumes we're reading from and what they look like so you know where to buy it from you know either your local comic book store or marvel unlimited or uh comic retailers or wherever and also uh, send in your thoughts uh email twitter uh it's gonna be reddit thread send us your thoughts and we'll read them out in the show and we'll uh, we'll discuss them and uh yeah that'll, that'll be good as well like you're reading along with us it's uh like a book club almost so yeah that'll be that'll be good our twitter is at gs groupies and
0: our email is ghost spider groupies at gmail.com
1: yeah good save there thank you abigail yep Um, So, yeah, I've been, I've been Pax. And I've been Abigail. It's been great. Thank you. Bye. Bye.